Am I a numbskull, Andy? No. <laughs> you waited a really long time to answer that question. Absolutely are not, Joe. Oh, yeah. I was talking about is that you see these arguments break out on social media about just between commenters about the publisher versus platform debate. And I'm just, and it always just makes me like, holy crap, you guys have literally <laughs> zero clue what would happen if Section 230 is repealed. Welcome to Fine Laws Don't Judge Me, the show about the law in real life. I'm Laura Temme, and I'm joined by Andy Leonetti. Good afternoon, Laura. Hello. <laughs> Did you get thrown off because I don't usually introduce you first? Yeah, actually, that's, <laughs> that is what happened. <laughs> I thought we were going for a new measure of professionalism here. I... I'm sorry, I tried. <laughs> Never. <laughs> and of course, we also have Joe Fabush. Hi, Joe. Hi, everybody. I jumped in too early, didn't I? <laughs> that, that's okay. Just no one's going to know who you are, but that's fine. So before we jump into today's topic, we just wanted to address the fact that there are three of us on the show now, and there used to be four. Even though Allie had oodles of fun with us, she has other obligations at Fine Law to take care of some other projects that we have in the works. So she has left the show to focus on that stuff, and hopefully the three of us will be able to keep it together in her absence. <laughs> she coached us up, and now, <laughs> now we have to stand on our own... Six feet. <laughs> she is, though, our number one fan. Uh, she did not tell me that. I'm just assuming that she is now our number one fan. She also remains our faculty advisor. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think without Allie, we would go completely off the rails. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't even know what kind of show we would be. <laughs> Hi, Allie. Thanks for listening. Yeah, we will do our best <laughs> to try and convince her to make sporadic guest appearances. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay, so I guess administrative matters out of the way. What are we talking about today? We are going to talk about Section 230, everyone's favorite internet topic these days. Yes. We had so much had so much fun talking social media last time. Let's just keep it I know. keep it going. <laughs> we just had to do it again. Well, this is sure to be a, a controversial and uh <laughs> Very engaging episode. I'll just say right off the bat, I love Section 230 because it allows me to very quickly identify who is a complete numbskull on the internet <laughs> <laughs> and has no idea what they're talking oh about. All of the uh, all of the epidemiologist slash Section 230 <laughs> experts on the internet just can't stop beclowning themselves. Well, I wasn't going to make a game out of this, but now I do. So, Andy, at the end of the episode, you give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down on the numbskull rating. Let's okay. see. If, let's see Ooh. if I know what I'm talking about if I pass the Andy Leonati <laughs> test. I will say Joe Fabush, everyone has a law degree. <laughs> so, yeah, we should uh jump right in, I think, and just talk about what 230 is cuz you you read it everywhere, uh but let's just kind of get the basics down. 230 is the law that does two things. It prevents social media companies from being sued as a publisher of content, and it prevents social media companies from being held responsible when it flags or removes objectionable content in good faith. And, you know, objectionable is kind of 
the key word there. There are pros and cons to this. For the better, it lets these social media companies thrive. A lot of them say Section 230 is, is the reason why they're as successful as they are. And we're all better off for it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it allows unfiltered comments. You know, you can just say whatever you want on the news feed. And judging by news feeds, everyone does say what they want. Mm-hmm. For the worst, though, you know, there are some negatives. There's allegations of bias. And there's also, of course, the issue of disseminating really bad things, whether it's illegal, like, you know, sex trafficking or uh, hate speech and disinformation, particularly election related disinformation has been a hot topic for obvious reasons. So it's section 230 of something called the Communications Decency Act. This was passed in 1996. It was not a big law at the time. It was kind of passed without much fuss or really without any wide acknowledgement whatsoever. Shout out to GeoCities. <laughs> and a, and Angel Fire. I have no idea oh, what you're talking Laura. about. <laughs> I don't either, honestly. Like everybody's GeoCities and Angel Fire webs that were No. Were, just because you keep saying the words doesn't mean I'm going to know what they you're talking were about. companies that allowed you to set up your own website when ah. the internet was oh. way more fun than it is now in the 90s. <laughs> when I think of 96, I always think a, of the founding of our great website, Fine Law. Um, hey, that too. Yeah. Oh, that's true. And then uh, Netscape. GeoCities was basically who you would go to. Like, people go to WordPress and whatever now. They went to GeoCities because they wanted a website with a cool visit counter that twirled, that spun in a circle <laughs> while nice. showing gotcha. that 17 people had visited your website in two <laughs> years. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. I, I was in elementary school in 96. So, you know, cut me some slack. <laughs> I could talk about 90s culture and the internet for the next couple of hours. Maybe that'll be for the, the next episode. Yeah, I'd be, yeah. <laughs> I could get rip-roaring on how life used to be better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll have a fresh Prince of Bel-Air marathon and talk about the good old days. <laughs> So under Section 230, online platforms may use internal standards and user agreements to determine when and how to remove content that is either obscene, lewd, lascivious, filthy, excessively violent, harassing, or otherwise objectionable. Companies that do this in good faith, and that is written into the statute, are protected from liability for the content that it misses. So put in layman's terms, companies can let third parties post on their platform. And if they see something that they don't like, that they find objectionable, they can take it down. And they are not liable if they miss something. It arose out of a pair of court cases in the 1990s. And these cases basically established that platforms that actively tried to remove content and then failed could be liable. Whereas if you just said, okay, we're not gonna touch anything, then you didn't have that liability risk. And so it was an incentive to just allow third-party users to post whatever they want and never take anything down. The issue is then people would post horrible things and Congress wanted these companies to be able to self-regulate to a certain extent. And so they said, okay, we're gonna pass a law that makes this okay to do it. And then if you don't catch everything, that's okay. Uh, you still won't be liable for the stuff that you miss. 
So it's a pretty common sense law, but it has grown vastly more important over the decades, particularly considering the rise of social media. And 230 is now a behemoth that is being targeted by both conservatives and liberals. Conservatives don't like it because they allege an anti-conservative bias, whereas liberals are saying that basically the opposite, that Facebook and YouTube don't do enough to stem some of these extremist viewpoints that may be considered hate speech or otherwise extremely objectionable. So there's rare bipartisan agreement in Congress, but they're coming at the issue from opposite sides. But the bottom line is that for the first time in a while, Section 230 reform seems to be on the table. And so really that's why it's worthwhile to talk about. Uh, there are currently bills being introduced both in the House and in the Senate. We can discuss whether they have any chance of passing later, but it's definitely a topic that people are interested in. There's a word that I saw that I really like is called tech lash. There's this backlash against a lot of the tech companies, particularly the ones that run social media. And Section 230 reform is often considered as a way of holding these large tech companies accountable for some of their behaviors. It's really interesting because especially thinking about the fact that this law was written in 1996. And so there's there's no way that the legislators who wrote the Communications Decency Act had any idea how big some of these companies would get. Social media was completely unheard of. So it's interesting to see how this has developed and how everybody all of a sudden is like, oh, wait a minute, maybe we should back us up a Congress little bit. Congress did quit, as I keep liking to point out, Congress <laughs> did quit legislating at some point in the 21st century. So yeah, <laughs> this is completely a mess of their own making. <laughs> Interestingly, though, this and this is why I think that 230 reform is going to happen. It, uh, Congress did actually make an amendment in 2018 regarding Section 230. And what they did was basically carve out an exemption specifically for sex trafficking. So basically companies who knowingly allow content that promotes sex trafficking is no longer protected by Section 230. And kind of similar proposals are being considered, whether it's making the same sort of exemption for hate speech or other unlawful behavior. So it is possible for Congress to move the needle, even if it's just on things that are kind of common sense and universally acknowledged as worthwhile. So there is there is some possibility of this actually happening. Well, I, yeah, never discount Congress's ability to join in on a bully campaign against an easy, like a soft, <laughs> a soft target, like yeah. Yeah. OnlyFans or... Or Pornhub.com, which by all accounts is a legal website, but they've pretty much gotten payment processors such as Visa and MasterCard have allowed themselves to get bullied out of accepting payments for premium accounts on these on these websites under the guise of many bad faith politicians and Internet celebrities who care, quote, about, quote, sex trafficking yeah, and there's arguments to be made that in the effort to reduce sex trafficking, some of these changes have pushed sex work of all kinds further into kind of either the dark web or off the web entirely yep. and made it even more unsafe 
um, for someone to be a sex worker. And so there's a whole, that's a whole other episode. I was just going to say, we're having an an (laughs) on-air production meeting. I think uh, that'll that'll be, (laughs) listeners look for that episode in the the coming months. Because that is an interesting topic and it's a really... A really good point. But as far as specific things, yeah, like you said, it's an easy target to go after sex trafficking. And it's not clear that there's the same sort of agreement with what else we can do with Section 230. Trump has been a large proponent of just repealing the law entirely. The former president does not know what the law is. (laughs) (laughs) But Biden has said that that it should be repealed as well, which is also a fascinating bit of common ground. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you'll get uh, Congress people who would never otherwise agree. And again, they're coming at it from opposite sides, but they they do kind of agree that they don't particularly like Section 230. Someone got in Donald Trump's head and told him that if Section 230 was <laughs> repealed, Twitter and Facebook wouldn't be able to ban him. <laughs> I am totally serious to like how ham-handed his approach to the subject is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he he would still need to listen to our previous episode about First Amendment yeah. and social media. Yeah, sorry, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think too, Andy, you're referring to the executive order that uh, the former president issued last year that purported to start the process. Now. It kind of gets into the weeds of administrative law, and I don't think we need to go into it here. But if you're interested, I did write a blog on it that I'll link to in the show notes, and that goes a little bit more into why that executive order is likely to accomplish little or nothing. (laughs) Oh, oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What? No, I know. You'll be shocked to hear that it was mostly political theater. Yeah, no, he and and it was. I mean, it was he was angry that he this was after the first tweet of his that got fact-checked by Twitter. And uh, he was he was upset with that. And this was his way of saying that, you know, there's anti-conservative bias and we're going to do something about it. But really, if you want to do 230 reform, there's not a way through administrative law to do it. it it's really not the executive branch that's going to decide this. It's going to be Congress. What's most likely to happen as if Congress is left in charge to fix it, is that many people on both sides will give a lot of big sweeping statements about how they want big reforms to happen. And some of these people will actually manage in their statements to find overlap and nothing will happen. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. You know, 90% of the time. And this time, I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure. I think actually something might happen. First, I kind of want to give an overview of things that could happen, what reform might look like. One thing is just to preserve Section 230 as it is. And this is a likely possibility, is that it just stays. And not everybody agrees that this is a bad thing. Like I mentioned some of the pros on it. It really does protect social media companies. A lot of other countries do not have liability protection like America gives. And so it does benefit social media companies based in the U.S. It does allow for free speech. It does help these companies take down unlawful content and content that 
almost everybody finds objectionable. So that it's not, with qualified immunity, to give one example, I have a hard time finding anything good about it. For Section 230, <laughs> there are some good things. And so there, there is a rational case to be made for keeping Section 230 just as it is and saying its benefits outweigh the negatives. The other alternative is just to repeal Section 230 entirely. And this is the most drastic step. You know, it's it would require big tech companies to really change how they do business. So, you know, be careful what you wish for if you're trying to get less censorship. I think something important to keep in mind with repealing entirely, though, is that Section 230 doesn't only apply to large companies like Facebook and Twitter. It also applies to any website that hosts user content. So that includes, say, a local news outlet that allows public comments on their stories. They would lose these protections as well if it was completely repealed. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up, because that is an extremely important point. And it, you know, it, it even if you're a little bit wary of how much power big tech companies have, repealing Section 230 would be a good way of helping them avoid competition from smaller companies because smaller companies would also be liable and they would have a harder time dealing with some of these issues than the bigger tech companies. What about private groups, whether that's a group that I'm in with around like 20 of my friends. We are in a private Facebook group that only we have access to. We took it to Facebook after we used to have our own like proboards.theseidiots.com or whatever, like our own like private message board that you needed a... You're talking about things I've never heard of again. (laughs) God, Laura, man. It was just a message board. We had our own message board, which we we even had, it was subdivided into categories for different sub boards. And it was just like 20 guys. So there was, and you had to have a password and whatever to be, to have access and we controlled access to it. So what would happen with, would much change for groups like that? That would, would that be considered private? I don't know about Facebook, but. So the question is, if 230 was repealed, would private groups be as heavily regulated as just public posts that you let anybody see? Yeah, if we if if all of a sudden my group of friends are very like stale and anodyne private group, all of a sudden like we (laughs) all of a sudden we became like an 8chan and we're just (laughs) posting like abhorrent things amongst each other. And only we had access to it. I think Facebook would, in that case, still go after okay. it. Because if they prohibit, uh, you know, you're talking hypothetically about suddenly somebody starting to do hate speech, you know, it would still apply. You're still writing it on Facebook. And would they be as concerned about other posts? Probably not. But it is something that if they saw it, I, I bet that they would, they would okay. take it down because... Yeah, if somebody did see it, maybe somebody else in the group saw it, mm-hmm. they could they could then get liability. Interesting. But you know, it's it's not just this all or nothing. It's not keep 230 or repeal it all. There's ways that you can carve out exceptions and exemptions and narrow the the protections that 230 offers. So, one theory that's been proposed is to establish size-based carve-outs. So basically, it would be the the big temp tech companies would be held accountable, uh, whereas smaller companies, the kind that you were talking about, Laura, would still get 230 protection. There are some 
difficulties associated with some with doing something like this, of course. But uh, that is an option. Is you don't necessarily have to target everybody. You could try to focus it only on certain companies or maybe only on social media. You could try to carve out how the scope of 230. Congress certainly has the authority to do that if it wants to. You could also just do carve outs for certain types of content or certain types of activity. Congress already did this with the sex trafficking that we talked about. So that's one reason to think that it could be done again. You know, maybe they could just do a carve out for only unlawful activity. So there, there's various ways that, that they could try to get more specific. Another kind of similar proposal is to exempt state criminal laws from 230 liability. And I'll explain this a little more. So we touched on this actually a little bit last episode. There are already a few exemptions to Section 230, and one of those is federal criminal law. So if you violate federal criminal law, Facebook or any other company that allows third-party content can, can be held liable for federal criminal activity that's allowed under its, on its domain. And, but state laws are not. And so you could expand it so that state laws would be included. And a lot of the things that people have issues with now are state laws. Another interesting one that I like is to create bargaining chips, kind of saying like, hey, you know, we'll let you keep 230 protections, but in order to do that, we need you to do A, B, and C. A, protect privacy of users more, and B, take a different approach to how you use your algorithm to target next, like on YouTube next videos, you know, it tends to be the next extreme. And, you know, you could say like, stop using that algorithm. And that I think is an interesting proposal. And I think some of the bigger tech companies would be on board with that. You know, Facebook has already said that it's open to 230 reform and something like that. Facebook has been running ads now. Actually, I've yeah. seen them on uh, I've seen them on Hulu. This whole like slick thing, being like, "Did you know that the last time major internet regulations were passed was 1996?" And like, we support comprehensive internet mm-hmm. regulations. I'm just waiting for like a year from now when they say, "Well, no, not those, not the yeah. not those regulations." Uh, no, not that one though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the bargaining chip one I think is interesting. I do have one gripe about it and it's (laughs) this is it's gonna be stupid but i want to rant about it anyway okay the bill that i've seen proposed is called the eliminating abusive and rampant neglect of interactive technologies act now that's a stupid name (laughs) and they did it so that they could have the acronym be earn it for this bargaining chip thing and i just i need to take this opportunity to say that i am so sick of these stupid acronyms because They're always so contrived. There are better ways that legislators could be using their time than to try to shoehorn a piece of legislation (laughs) into the acronym that they want. That's all life is anymore. It's just messaging (laughs) and signaling. I hate it. (laughs) And that's an interesting one to bring up, too, actually. There's been so many floating around, it's, it's hard to keep track. The Department of Justice has offered suggested reform. This was under Attorney General Barr. You know, it was pretty in line with President Trump's thoughts on Section 230. So there was a section on making sure that there was no bias when social media companies removed content. That's a good one. Yeah. 
Yeah, so there's there's lots of stuff floating around. Another one that I wanted to bring up was is called the Safe Tech Act. This was actually just introduced this month by Mark Warner, uh, Maisie Hirono, and Amy Klobuchar. And this one would get rid of immunity when it comes to injunctions, civil injunctions, but not civil damages. So it would still protect companies from damages if they were you know sued for libel or defamation which is kind of at the heart of this issue but if you wanted to ask one of these companies to remove content and got a court injunction they would have to do it or they would not be protected under 230 and that's something that i could see having a shot there's some other stuff in there just outright exempting any lawsuits about stalking harassment or intimidation so you can kind of see the approach here from a lot of senators, which is to kind of chip away at certain things. They went for the lowest hanging fruit already, and, and you could see something like that kind of chipping away at some of these protections. Believe it when I see it. <laughs> I mean, that's the way, you know, that describes my kind of like governing philosophy to a T is that most like big changes actually happen like very incrementally and over time. And they can't even do that, though, anymore. So... i think there will continue to be efforts until something happens there's enough public support behind this reform even if you're coming at it from opposite sides that i think there will be attempts maybe they'll be unsuccessful but there will certainly continue to be attempts in the near future i mean i would love for facebook to be nothing more than baby and pet pictures again you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's about all I have. So do I, am I a numbskull, Andy? No. (laughs) You waited a really long time to answer that question. Absolutely are not, Joe. The the main thing I, I was talking about is that you see these arguments break out on social media about, you know, you get a lot of the, well, actually, just between commenters about the publisher versus platform debate and i'm just and it always just makes me like holy crap you guys have literally (laughs) zero clue what would happen if section 230 is repealed joe you actually described the issues perfectly and broke it down (laughs) into a very easy to understand format that cuts through the noise because (laughs) We're just bombarded by bad faith actors intentionally misrepresenting debates now. And Mm -hmm. so you can just turn the word 230 into some sort of talking point that can mean whatever you want it to mean. Whatever your complaint du jour is, (laughs) you can kind of say 230. Yeah, Yeah, I've seen that quite a bit myself. I am a numbskull, but that's just because I don't remember the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I am for plenty of other reasons and... And that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Find Laws Don't Judge Me. Please subscribe to, rate, and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Check the show notes for related content. And if you'd like to contact us, send us an email at findlawpodcasts at thompsonreuters.com. So under Section 230, online platforms can use internal standards and user agreements to determine when and how to remove or flag content. (laughs)
Remove. <laughs> Wrong. Under. Yeah. <laughs> Remove. 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 <laughs> oh my god. Okay. All right. Just for the record, I do not drink. That just came out. I am not under the influence. 